Good morning. This is Nancy Zinsmaster, and today I'm here with Carolyn Resnick, and uh, we're going to talk to Carolyn about some really special topics. So, good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, Nancy. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you. So, um, I want to talk about a really special topic today. Um, I know that you and I love using treats in the training of horses at Liberty, um, but this topic comes up a lot from a lot of our clients. So I thought that maybe we could chat a little bit about that and you could explain why to use treats and why not to use treats, as I think uh, both subjects are important. Well, I use treats uh, to introduce the beginning training of my horse. And once my horse understands what it is I want him to do, then the treats aren't necessary because the horse gets so interested in the performance that he forgets about the treats. So the treats need to, the way we use them in my program is that we use the treats in the initial stage so that the horse understands, yes, that's what I do. We stop training, uh, using treats for the training so that we don't get the horse thinking that he needs a treat for the performance, that he gets into the performance, there's a there's a time when you just stop treating that that horse will not look for treats and of course that's what we want to do. The thing that is so important is the preparation of working with your horse um, before you start giving treats is very important. I think that the reason people don't like treats is because it gets into all kinds of uh, negative uh, problems in that the horse starts getting rushy wants the treat, the treat isn't given to him fast enough, and he starts looking for your body for treats. And and uh, so there's problems, can be, but um, following my school of training is we teach that horse to, um, to not look for treats, and then he gets a treat. And so every time he understands, oh, I'm not looking for a treat, then a treat comes. Mm -hmm. That sort of prepares the horse so that he knows that if he does something that is um, is what I'm asking and he doesn't really know that that's what I wanted, I can say to my horse, good boy, pause, wait for him to say I'm not looking for a treat and then give him a treat. And so I've got two things done and that is a horse that's not going to rush through the performance and that the horse understands that what he did was what I wanted him to do and that I'm going to be careful to watch for in the future when he starts getting interested in the performance and is not thinking about the treat. So if you wait to give the treat and wait for him to get into that state where he doesn't want a treat, then we have a horse that isn't going to have a problem using treats as a training method. Right. And um, I know that for many years you did not work with treats um, in training your own horses. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and why you began introducing treats into your training method? Yes, yes. I, I started without treats because I wanted to make sure that my horses were performing because they liked the relationship and liked uh, what I was asking the horse to do, uh, that he would just volunteer uh, an idea of what it is that I was wanting him to do, that he was finding a way to connect with me. And um, not that he needed a paycheck or he needed a treat. And so I was more interested in the bond and the partnership than anything. And I surely didn't want to see that the treats was creating the partnership that 
that looked like he was connecting to me, that he, I wanted it to be real. So for maybe 10 years using the waterhole rituals, I didn't use treats to make sure that that performance and bond came from the relationship purely. Then when I discovered that, I, that it was a pure uh, relationship, then it came to the fact that using treats, uh, the, the people who were learning my method, it was easier for them to connect with the horse because we like feeding horses treats, and the horse likes receiving treats. And it makes sense because, as you've been teaching us, and I've been studying under you for years now, um, we understand that most of the social interactions amongst horses, um, or the social interactions, are based around food. Yes, and and so that's that's uh, so important. The whole horse's day, all day long, is is circled around food and relationships are shared uh, when horses are sharing food together. And so it just, it just seems natural to do that. So Carolyn, uh, can you tell our listeners what kind of treats you use and is one treat better than another? You know, where do you put the treats and do, can you keep them on you or should you have them close by? The whole kind of, you know, uh, way you would introduce and yes. what kind? Yes. Well, following the uh, the method of the liberty training is that you don't carry treats on you. Um, maybe once when you've had your horse in training for quite some time, a year or more, and for specific things you might school, like for lying down you might have treats on you. Mm -hmm. But you want to stay away from it as much as possible because when you have a treat on you, that really causes a horse to start working for a paycheck. In other words, he's wanting, you got the treats, I got to do this, and he's he's overthinking. And we yes. don't want the horse to overthink. Well, we want the horse just to do present, be present to the moment, and relaxed, and that he's listening to your direction. Um, and that 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 he doesn't have an agenda that he needs a treat while he's listening because it makes a horse nervous. So uh, we don't keep the treats on us. It gives us an ability to say, good boy, and then the horse knows that he's going to put himself in a state of neutral while you go get him a treat and bring it back to him. So it keeps the energy of the horse uh, in a calm, respectful state. And the kind of treats that I use depends on the horse. So when we first introduce treats, we introduce uh, treats to the horse where, where we have a flat bowl in the center of the ring, and we just teach him first to stay away from the bowl. And there's nothing in it, and he can see because it's a very low, low feed, uh, a grain uh, bucket. Feed pan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, feed pan. So he can see there's nothing in it. And then yes. We share territory, and we wait for the horse to get used to the bucket being there and used to the fact that he leaves that alone. And so if he goes over to the bucket, then we actually, we just move him off the bucket. We don't ever block him from the bucket. We just ask the horse to move away. And every time he goes over to the bucket, we just move him away. And pretty soon he forgets about the bucket because there's nothing in it. And then we start putting a little bit of food in it so we can introduce it to him to where he wouldn't want to go over to the bucket. So finally we can get that bucket full of food and he would not bother with it. 
And the kind of uh, treats I use depends on the horse. If the horse is a uh, really speedy horse and wants a, the treat that you're giving him so much that he can't pay attention to you, then what I do is maybe start with that horse of a treat of something that he doesn't really like to, to eat very much of, like oat hay. Yes. Say, Here's your treat of oat hay. And if you have a horse that, that maybe just is saying, well, I don't really like oat hay, then you'll go to a, a sweeter type of feed, right. like um, uh, orchard grass. Then if that didn't, maybe you get into a pelleted grain. And then you can get into carrots. What I like to do is forage is a really nice nice feed to give. They seem to like it, and, and I don't have to worry about overfeeding. And um, I used Equine Senior for years, but there's been some reports by certain certain nutritionists that they believe that the sugar content may be too high in that. So I've started feeding a pelleted um, teff, uh, teff pellets, okay. and the horses really like it, and uh, my nutritionist seems to feel that it's not something that's going to get into a sugar problem. Now, would uh, when you work with stallions, would you choose to use treats? Yes, I do. Um, it's uh, stallions are. I I feel that they need to be given treats more than than um, than other horses because they need more contact. Mm -hmm. Because they're stallions, we sort of you know put them in an area by themselves and. That's not good for them, and it's not good for you. You've got to have more like interaction, personal interaction, teaching him, you know, how to eat slowly, um, how to wait for his treats, how to take him from your hand. And I have a a video uh, called uh, Panadero's Journey that really goes into how to handle a stallion around food. Yeah, and I'd love in in this program how. Um, you work with horses' natural instincts um, with food and how really simple and easy it is to introduce food to the horse and to be able to move the horse away or to keep him at a distance so that you don't get mauled because I know that that's a big concern for a lot of people and we don't have that problem because of the way you've taught us to introduce food to the horse. So I really, I really like that. Um, Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is um, if, the, if you feel that your horse is performing for the treat, how would you handle that then, in that situation? Because you can tell when the horse is mm -hmm. beginning to. Would you just stop using treats altogether, or how well, would you do that? I, I could handle that two ways. One would be to stop feeding treats altogether. Um, another thing is to look at the thing that I'm asking him to do, maybe he, he isn't bent to that. Maybe it shouldn't be something that we should even be introducing the horse to, because mm -hmm. we have to look at both ends of that. Um, so if the horse is not prone to want to, let's say, rear up or whatever it is that you're asking, bow or whatever, uh, maybe that horse uh, shouldn't have that as part of his, his training uh, but what what you can do is if he's all he's doing is working for a treat is to decrease the quality of the treat. 
Yeah, so it's not as rich or... Not as rich. Yes. And then you get back to the O'Day and says, this is what you get for that. And so, so it's always, you're always managing the kind of food that you're, you're giving him for his health and also for his interest in what it is they're doing. Uh, but you, sometimes I have to uh, change my program and get into more, uh, more program where you wouldn't use a treat like just the plain training your horse at liberty... Uh, uh, like dancing with your horse to music or something like that. You're not treating him for his performance. He's just performing. You know, I love the story that you've told me before about the cage of monkeys. And I think that that's a really good story. Um, kind of makes us realize, you know, the, the dynamic with the animals and the food. Could you share that with our listeners today? Sure. I don't remember... I really have forgotten where I heard this story, but it really, it, you can see, just picture it. Uh, someone said that if you went into, uh, and this was a zookeeper that, and that I guess that, that it came from, but if you went into a cage where there was a bunch of monkeys and you had food on you, uh, those monkeys would torment you until you dropped the food, and that is for sure. However, if you went into a cage among monkeys and you had to climb up a tree and get the treat that they could not re get to themselves and bring it down to them, uh, they would let you get up there and get them a treat and bring it back down to them. And then you would have a problem at that point. But walking through the cage to go get them a treat, they're not going to maul you because they understand that you're going you're performing a service. Yes, thing. yes. That's is that really how you remember the story? That is exactly how I remember the story. I love your stories. Um, <laughs> I would love it if you would also share um, your story that you wrote about in Naked Liberty, about how you connected with sagebrush um, over food, because I think that that's a really valuable, valuable story. Well, it was definitely um, a valuable to me. Um, so anyway, when I was, uh, what, I guess it was my first year, or first summer, uh, observing wild horses, and they were letting me um, watch them from a distance, but they wouldn't really let me into the herd. And as I was watching, there was this one mare that I named Sagebrush, because she liked to eat the green grass that grew inside a sagebrush. And when she would go to eat that grass, she would have to get inside that bush. And that bush had some kind of greasy substance in it and thorns. And so her whole forelock was just covered with grease and filth and everything because she's getting that tender grass. And she liked it so much that if any horse got close to those kind of bushes where that tender grass was, she would get very upset and chase them away. So what I did is I would go to a bush and that she hadn't gotten to, and she would run and chase me away from that bush. And I kept that up. And what happened was that the horses were no longer afraid of me because they saw a sagebrush chasing me and me running. <laughs> so that they got comfortable. Yes. They got comfortable with the fact that they didn't have to worry about me being 
in there with them. Mm-hmm. So then as that, that uh, relationship developed, what I could do was if a horse came up to a bush that sagebrush wanted to, to eat, I would stand guard and not let that horse eat that bush. And then sagebrush then, when it was time for her to get that bush, then she would come and eat. So when she would walk up to me, I'd walk away so that she would say, Thank, she saw that, that I was protecting the bush for her. Yes. And that was, if we hadn't had that horse, if I hadn't found that horse, I don't know how long it would have taken me to get the herd to accept me. But what I've discovered is usually, if you look around and you watch, you can always find a sagebrush in every herd. <laughs> but that's such a good plan to use. Yes, and I love how, you know, with the waterhole rituals that we teach that it's about the relationship, it's about the connection, and I love how that portrays that relationship that you had with her and how important that was, you know. Mm-hmm. You've also discussed that uh, a bit. Um, I remember we had a student that was having some issues with some pecking order disputes with her herd, and you explained to her how f- for her to help the horse that was lower on the you know, pecking uh, order to, yes. to be able to move those other horses away and say, you know, I'm going to stand guard for you here yes. while you eat. And I, I've used that myself, and I think it's amazing, you know, how... Yeah, from, from just going into a herd and just helping the disputes become more relaxed and helping them understand that you're looking for harmony, uh, it changes the dynamics of the herd and softens them. Yes. When I, in the many years that I have watched wild horses, one of the things that is really interesting to find, and many people have found it, is that uh, donkeys are policemen in nature. Mm. They actually go out there and break up. They don't like to see horses fighting, and they'll go in and break up a fight. And when two horses are fighting and their donkeys are around, those donkeys can start looking interested like they want them to stop, and they stop. Wow, that's so, really something. Uh, so the thing is, is you know, as, as, as we know that many people think about Uh, how relationships need to be developed, like for children and horses and everything, that they need to work it out. And there is that part of it, is to let them work it out. Mm -hmm. But when you see that it's not working out, then that's the time that you want to step in there and say, this has gone on long enough. And when you do that, you get a lot of respect in the community and you start seeing the the dynamics of the herd soften. Yeah, you're demonstrating some leadership in the herd from doing that. Um, What about, um, what do you feel about the difference between how you would use treats and how you would, people know using treats, which would probably be clicker training um, in some respects. You know, people are thinking maybe that it is that type of uh, thing before they get to understand well, the program. Well, I, I really think that I don't know anything about clicker training, and I really think that, and, and what I would like to say this about all methods of training. They have to be good, or they wouldn't be out there, and they yeah, wouldn't be called a method. So um, 
if 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 usually you look at a method and you think, oh well, this you know this is wrong with the method. It's not wrong with the method. It's how the method is being applied. So I'm sure that clicker training handles all of that aspect because I watch videos and I see people who are clicker training with bags on them and the horses in them are doing fine. However, this is the thing that I'm concerned about. A woman came and brought her horse to me recently, and we were in a big big arena and she showed me how wonderful that horse performed and it was amazing. The performance was absolutely incredible and she had a bag on her waist and I says, could you do that without the bag? Mm -hmm. And the horse had no interest in her whatsoever. Now that just hurts my feelings to think that I've got to have a bag strapped to me for my horse to want to work with me. Absolutely, I agree and with you. She was also surprised. Mm -hmm. She herself didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, she changed her mind and says, no, I, I, don't want, I don't want that horse performing because I am the way into the bag. Yes. So uh, that would be my only thing that I would like to, to, to say on that matter is all the methods are good. Yes. But I don't want that bag to be, if I can wear the bag, or not wear the bag, or have a read, or not have a read, or anything like that, if that horse will always perform without me having to have a tool, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Then that is the way I am going to school my horse. In the beginning, we may have tools, but in the end, we don't want to have any tools. Yes. And, and of course, we want the least amount of tools always. Yes, and I, and I love that you, know, you do um, teach uh, that it's nice to make the horse wait for the treat. I, I yes. like that. And, and you you have um, expressed, you know, how soft the, the horse needs to take the treat from your hand. Yes. And, and I like that. And I feel with my own horses, working with them, I, I, I love the way, how cute they are while they're waiting for their treat and how gently they take it. And there's some, there's so much connection in that. And there's so much between us in that, um, well, that tr transaction, shall we say, you know, I, I love that about, about your method. Well, what's important, too, is that you give the treat for doing nothing, for pausing, for letting the energy just fall, and for not wanting a treat. And so, so you treat for, for performance, and you treat for not performance. And then you get that horse in that, that bubble of yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anybody who's using treats, just remember, start off and saying, I will give you a treat for standing still in relaxation. I will give you a treat for if you do X. Now, show me stillness in relaxation and that you're not looking for the treat. Oh, now here's the treat. Because what happens many times when someone teaches Spanish walk for the horse, we have feet flying up in our face when we don't want it because the reason for it is the horse is, is asking with his foot, can I have a treat? So he's waving his foot yes. at you and saying, hey, over here. I know a horse who does yeah, that. <laughs> I can, yeah, can I have a treat? And he say, well, I understand. Or he's saying, do you understand that I would like another treat? And you say, I do understand that. And the way to get that treat is to get yourself into neutral. Yes. yes. Without the agenda. 
without the worry yes. and just being in the moment. Well, I know that, um, you know, that has answered a lot of questions for a lot of listeners, I'm sure, because I get that question a lot. And I, I love giving treats to my horses. I mean, we all like a paycheck, you know, we like to be rewarded. And as long as it's in a healthy way, as this is, I, I feel that it's really beneficial. And uh, is there anything else that you can think of, Carolyn, that you would like to share on that topic with our listeners before we, we go? Well, I like what you pointed out earlier about the fact that you want the horse to not want the treat um, harshly, reach for it harshly, or eat too fast. All of those are signs that we need to wait until that horse be is able to give you soft lips. Yes. So if I feel that I have a horse that is um, is wanting to, to take the treat and I'm concerned that he might want to accidentally bite my hand, then I show him my hand, uh, the back of my hand, so that he can see that I don't have the treat and that he can touch my hand softly and then I can turn my hand around, hold for another moment, waiting for him to relax, and then open my hand. That that. Um, that that has helped my horses to relax. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, I think that it is important for our listeners to know that this is a way that has worked for you over many years of teaching students and, in, and you have not had issues with it, but you do not have to use treats in the training of the horses at Liberty in the Water Hole Rituals. Absolutely. And I, I really think that that's an important thing that I wanted to get across to the listeners because I don't want anybody to think that, oh, I, I don't want to practice that method because I need to use treats and I don't want to use treats. Well, it's, I think what it's important to understand <clears throat> is that you want to develop the relationship through the bond, not through treats. Yes. <clears throat> so if you want to start off that way and not treat, and then maybe after you've trained a couple of years, then you can say, okay, just like I did, think I want to feed treats because mm -hmm. it's a lot more fun. Yes, it <laughs> is. It's so much fun. Everything about the waterhole rituals is fun, I think. But yes, this is an important part. And I think that this was a really good uh, conversation to have for our students in the school and for listeners in general. So thank you so much, Carolyn, for taking the time to share all of that knowledge with us. Thank you, Nancy. Uh -huh.